0: thanks for joining us for the connect podcast i'm cole phillips the lead pastor of the connection church and every week we're going to look into the bible to find out how god's word connects to our everyday lives it's going to be life-changing The Connect Podcast is produced every week for your growth and inspiration. You can find all the show notes at makingtheconnection.org. You can also find the podcast on your favorite podcasting service. Follow me on Twitter at Cole Phillips and on Facebook and Instagram. You'll find all the links in the show notes. Now, let's get into the study. All right. Thank you for joining me. I'm excited about getting into this today. It's going to be so great as we are walking through the book of Acts together, and uh, if you've missed some, you can go back and catch up over the past uh, couple of months as we've been walking through passage by passage in the book of Acts, and we're looking at the early church, you know? So uh, it's an incredible picture of the early church. Uh, be sure to grab your Bible, something to maybe take some notes with as we get into something that is really revolutionary in our lives today. It's a This is a tough topic that we're dealing with. But uh, we've been looking at the early church and the early church was experiencing just such an incredible time. You know, they were, if you look at the picture of, of what they were experiencing, it was like heaven on earth. They had seen Jesus come back to life, alive again. They had experienced the Holy Spirit falling on them and empowering them. And because of all of this, they were unified. They were all uh, just loving each other, trusting each other. It was true community that was happening, and as a result of that, there was this incredible spirit of generosity of helping each other. There was there was trust. There was an openness to each other, and uh, you know, it's it's like the the scripture that that says, "Perfect love casts out all fear." Right. So so if perfect love casts out fear. Uh, we're not afraid to trust, we're not afraid to help and to serve and to love. But when I'm afraid, then I stop loving others. I really get self focused. I start focusing on uh, preserving self-preservation in, in a sense. And uh, you know it's dangerous when we panic. Uh, we are dangerous and and God God's love is sufficient and, and it's enough for everything we're gonna face. And it even opens up the opportunity for us to live open-handedly and to live generously. Um, like we saw in the last passage, we, we talked about a guy named Barnabas who was so generous and so encouraging, and he was an example to people of what it means to live um, generously. And so that's what the early church was like. It says that they were sharing, they had all things in common, they were helping each other. And this is not, you know, some people would say, well, this is, you know, socialism or <laughs> communism. No, 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 because that's imposed by the government on us. But uh, true Christian community is choosing to share what we have, to use what we have and leverage it to make a difference um, so that what they were experiencing was, you know, it's something that is very unusual in history where there was not one needy person in the community because they were serving one another helping each other and they had this joy and I'm telling you living generously will fill you with joy Uh, there's in fact the word miser and miserable come from the same root word and so if we're stingy we're miserable but if we're generous it fills us with joy well in Acts chapter 5 starting in verse 1 um, Luke, the, the writer, Dr. Luke, he's showing us the very first sin that entered in to the early church. And it was the sin of selfishness and greed. It was holding on and holding back. And because of this sin and because of God's judgment on this, um, man, this is a warning for all of us today. We see clearly That holding on, holding back, greed is a sin. Now, let's read in Acts chapter 5, starting in verse 1. It says, Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. They also sold it because that's what Barnabas had done, right? And others were doing this. They sold a piece of property because they didn't need it. And with his wife's full knowledge... He kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. As if to say, this is all of it. Look at me. Look at how generous I am, right? And then Peter, in verse 3, said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and you've kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. You know, when we sin, many times it's a sin against others, and it's also a sin against God. And so Ananias and Sapphira, they were professing Christians with their lips they were part of the early church. They claimed that they believed in Jesus, that they followed Jesus, that they were denying their self and all that they owned, all that they had. They claimed to follow Christ and they had some property that they didn't personally need. And so they said, hey, we're taking Jesus at his word. We're trusting him. They sold their property under the guise of We're going to sell this to help people who desperately need food, uh, shelter, clothing more than anything. They need to know the good news of Jesus, but their profession was simply that. It was just lip service. They were all talk, no walk, and it was hypocritical, Um, and they were holding back what people needed to, to live, um, and they tried to fake their commitment. They tried to trick the church and trick their fam- their Christian family, their church family. What does this tell us? Well, holding on is, a, is an indicator of a partial, half-hearted commitment. They didn't give everything beyond what they needed. They kept back part of it, and um, this was a life and death situation. They wanted to hang on to what they had. And there's a motive behind that, right? Because we think I've got to take care of my own needs instead of allowing, trusting God that he, I could take him at his word that he's going to provide for me. Now, in Luke 12, 15, Jesus said to them, watch out be on your guard against all kinds of greed, saying there's lots of kinds of greed and lots of ways it shows up. He says, life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Your self-worth and your net worth are two different things. And uh, so we try to define ourselves by how much we have. God says, Jesus says, no, that's not what life is about. Life is not about he who dies with the most toys wins. In fact, it's he who dies with the most toys is still dead. You can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead, right? And then in 1 Timothy 6.10, uh, Paul says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. We think uh, riches you know, uh, is the key to happiness. That's just simply not true. If that were true, then the wealthiest people would be the happiest people, and they're just not. You look at wealthy people um, who are desperate. In fact, the more you have, the more you got to worry about, the more you got to keep up with, it becomes sort of just this heaviness over our lives many times. We also see another problem with holding back, and that is it It leads us to lie. Holding back leads us to lie. Ananias and Sapphira They wanted everybody to think, hey, we're with you. We're part of you. They wanted the privilege and the honor, the acceptance of being part of the the family, being part of the church. They didn't want to be left out, but they didn't want to totally commit themselves to be all in. So they tried to trick. They tried to deceive. They were just pretenders. And what happens when we lie as you know, maybe your parents taught you smaller lies. They just lead to more lies and more lies. In fact, studies show that the more you lie, the more you trick your brain. We have this incredible capacity to rationalize what we do. So, what's the solution to that? Just live honestly. Be honest. Um, and they could have done that. They could have honestly said, "Hey, we need to hold on to part of this." You know, uh, instead they were they were pretending. Now, also, we see the sin here of holding back that Peter says, and this is huge. Uh, He says it invites Satan to fill your heart instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to fill your heart because the Holy Spirit is going to lead you into all truth. The Holy Spirit is going to lead you into generosity and uh, certainly not to do something that's going to negatively impact or hurt someone else holding back food or shelter or whatever it is, or even life in Jesus. You know, um, he's going to lead us to go to people and share the good news of Jesus. So holding back, in this case, Peter says, Satan filled their hearts, or at least Ananias's heart. And, uh, you know, we think, this is too much. Like, you're asking me Jesus to give everything. You're just asking too much. That's what Jesus said in Luke 9:23. Jesus said to them all, "Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me." And when Jesus said, "Take up your cross," he wasn't talking about that little that little necklace that we wear with a little gold cross that's a fashion statement. He was saying, "Take up your cross," which is a is an instrument of Torture and an instrument of death, and he's saying we die to ourselves. And how dead is dead? Well, it's dead. Our we're not concerned about ourselves. We let God take care of us, and we're going to be taking care of others. Now, you know, sometimes we lie in order to make ourselves look better. Sometimes we lie in order to um, to protect we what we think is protecting ourselves when we hold back. We think, hey, I've got to have some for my future and everybody else does it. That's another rationalization. But, um, but we think, well, I can lie to the church or I can lie to other Christians. I can lie to God and still be acceptable to God. No, God knows our hearts. He knows the full truth. He knows our motivations and he knows who's in control of our lives. And so we got to remember that Satan's strategy is to get us to believe that we've got to take care of ourselves, that we can't trust God, that we've got to hold back and we've got to hoard. And he doesn't, He certainly doesn't want us to use and leverage what God has poured into us to make a difference in people's lives, to be used to share the gospel and to spread the good news of Jesus with people around us. He said, no, 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 you, you use that for yourself, uh, is what the devil will always tell you. But every time the devil speaks his native language is lies and um and so and and just you know sometimes just muddying up the truth a little bit which is the same thing as lying well jesus has this really high call on our lives in luke 18 he said to the rich young ruler he said to him you still lack one thing sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven then come follow me now on the one hand That doesn't mean that every single person should sell everything they have. I mean, Jesus only said this to this one man, but he knew the motivation of his heart, and he knew that possessions had possessed him. If you can't give something away, then you don't own it, it owns you, right? And uh, he calls us to serve others, to serve the least of these, to go to those who are hungry with nothing to eat, to go to those who are thirsty with nothing to drink. And he says, what you do unto the least of these, you've done it to me. That's in Matthew 25. And so often we rationalize. And I know some of you are saying, yeah, but, you know, if I give that homeless person, you know, money, I'm enabling them. If I give that person money, they're going to use it for drugs. They're going to use it, you know, now there are ways you can give to organizations that can better um, that can better manage the money and and oversee how you can give someone a hand up instead of a handout, but I believe there's times when uh, we should just give because God's spirit is telling us to and trust Him that He's going to use that in someone's life. Um, so we've just got to consider that. Also, I'm just talking about the sins that are committed here by uh, Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, we're, we're not even through with the whole list. Uh, holding back is lying to the Holy Spirit. It's not just lying to people. It's lying to God. When you say, I'm giving you all, but I'm holding back, well, that's not true. God, I want all of your presence in my life, but I'm not going to surrender all of my life to you. That's being dishonest. You don't really want God's Spirit to fill all of you unless you're willing to give all of yourself to Him. And um, so it's it's lying to the Holy Spirit. It's lying to God Himself. Um, it it mocks God because we're saying, God, you're not enough. You're not enough for me. And people can see that in our lives. People can see are we are we really fully sold out to the cause of Christ because people are watching and they can see and they know how serious we are about truly following after Jesus. So he calls us to give no less than all. And you know, when we lie to God, that breaks God's heart because God knows and he loves you. He wants wants the best for you. He wants you to give you're all, and so God in his mercy, he gives you an opportunity to turn back to him, to be saved, to be forgiven. That's God's mercy and grace. And um, it also is an affront to God when, we, when, we, when we're greedy uh, because it's distrusting God. It's distrusting God because it's saying, God, I can't trust you to provide for me tomorrow like you said you would do. Um, I'm just going to hold this back because I've got to take care of myself. I'm going to trust in money rather than you, God. Well, God is saying, and, and I know this is so like counterintuitive and countercultural to us, but really, we know that we can trust God. He's brought us this far, and He has good plans for you when we trust Him with everything that we have. Jesus says in Matthew 6, he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be given to you as well. I think this rings so um, strange in our ears because we're so blessed. You know, we're so um, comfortable and we just can't imagine um, what it would be like to fully trust him. And and I think that's the challenge for today is to say, okay, this seems foreign to my ears, but I'm going to fully trust God today with all that I have that he's going to provide for me. He's going to take care of me. Um, we see, I'm going to go on in verse five, where we, let me just read it. Uh, it says, when Ananias heard this, this judgment proclaimed from Peter's lips But it was not a judgment from Peter. It was a judgment from God. He fell down and he died. And great fear seized all who had heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body and carried him out and buried him. This is uh, severe, swift, tragic. Um, And it shows us that this is, Uh, A sin in our life that will be judged when we hold back from God, when we are greedy. There is judgment on this. Ananias, he died suddenly. And Peter didn't say, if you look back, he didn't say, and bad news, you're going to (laughs) die. That was not Peter's judgment. He just pointed out what Ananias had done. But God is the one who judges. Um, But fast forward to Sapphira in verse 9, and we'll get there next week. But Peter said that she would be judged, um, but they knew how serious it was. They understood how serious it was to hold back, to hold on, to hoard. And uh, we see some very crucial lessons. One, God takes this very seriously. When... Um, you come to Jesus and you give your life to Jesus. This is not easy believism. This is this is real and this is complete. He calls us to turn from our sin, to deny ourselves, to give everything that we have to meet the desperate needs of a dying world. And that that's why Jesus came to earth, so that the world could know Jesus, so that people could be saved. And uh, when we do less, then yes, God is going to hold us accountable for that. Uh, and as we said, you know, as I talked about this whole list, they just you say, well, they just held on, but they did so much more than that. They were lying to the church. They were lying, uh, deceiving people. They were they were half-hearted. I mean, there's so many problems all wrapped up. Usually, our sin is not just one single thing, but it's layer upon layer. And God is the one who knows our hearts he knows our motivations it's hard for us to figure out someone else's motivations cuz half the time i can't even figure out why i do what i do but god always knows and it's easy for us to sit in judgment here on god god how could you do that to this this guy you know how could you pronounce the most severe judgment on him as if we know more than god as if you know we're more righteous or just than god um peter said to to ananias he said satan has filled your heart he couldn't have known that god had to reveal that to peter he said you have lied to the holy spirit um you haven't just lied to people you've lied to god and so god was showing this to peter and um, god always knows our hearts um and he's the only one who can judge righteously. Uh, we need to leave the judgment up to God. Jeremiah 17, 10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. We know God is just, and we know that sin requires a consequence, you know, punishment. Um and so I was thinking, I want to share this with you, just kind of a little excursion on sin and judgment over sin. If you've ever seen the show Breaking Bad, which was, you know, very well written show. It's about Walter White, who was a who was a chemistry teacher, received a terminal diagnosis of cancer, and he begins cooking crystal meth to provide, well, under the under the excuse or rationalization, I'm going to provide for my family. And as he begins to get involved in this business, he, uh, he just descends into um, just degeneracy, and, uh, and he's just broken. But this show, one thing about this show, it doesn't soft-pedal the consequences of our wrong choices, of our sin. And Vince Gilligan, the, the show's creator, he said this, If there's a larger lesson to Breaking Bad, it's that actions have consequences. He says, I feel some sort of need for biblical atonement or justice or something. So if you've seen this, if you haven't, in season four, um, Jesse Pinkman, who is sort of the sidekick, partner, um, he kills someone, um, which he ends up talking about it— being an animal in this, so if you're confused, he says it's a dog. And he goes to Narcotics Anonymous, an NA meeting, trying to find some relief re, relief or atonement or forgiveness. And the group leader says, Well, you've just got to accept yourself. So I want you to check out this scene right here. Check this out. Right here, Sin in Judgment. Why not? Maybe, maybe she's right. You know, maybe I should have put it in the paper. Maybe I, I should have done something different. The thing is. If you just do stuff and nothing happens. What's it all mean? What's the point? All oh, right, this, this whole thing is about self acceptance. So I should stop. Judging. And accept to start. So, no matter what I do, hooray for me because I'm a great guy. It's all good. No matter how many dogs I kill, I just do an inventory and accept. So, you know, it's not surprising that Vince Gilligan believes in hell and in judgment for sin. He said this He said, I want to believe there's a heaven. But I cannot not believe there's a hell. Um, so our the the sin in our life it demands justice, and God demands justice, and we march for justice. We say we want justice, but do we really? Do we really understand the devastation, the destruction of sin? In fact, the Bible says there's a sin that does lead to death. And 1 John 5, 16, if you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death, but there is a sin that leads to death. I am not saying that you should pray about that. There is sin that leads to death. And this can be very real physical death as well as spiritual death. You know, um, and, and when God judged Ananias, he was not stamping a pattern, but he was making a point of how serious he is about this. There is no escape from the penalty of sin if we refuse to turn from our sin. Romans six twenty three. the wages of sin is a, man, this is heavy today. Let me give some good news on the flip side, okay? And that is that repentance is the answer turning from our sin, turning to God. 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. So God is not vengeful. He is merciful. He is forgiving and gracious when we turn to him. But this is a big deal. I'm gonna keep talking about sin for just a few more moments Because as we finish this passage, when we are greedy and we hold back, that leads others to sin. So look at um, verse 7. About three hours later, his wife came in not knowing what had happened. Man, she's going to be in for a shock. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, so he gave her a chance, right? How could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. And then the young men came in and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. You know, he led his wife right down that same path he was going down. He could have led her to be generous. He could have led her to... May be a difference maker, but uh, instead, he was a stumbling block, and he led her right down that same path to destruction. Matthew eighteen six, Jesus says, "If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea." Well, Jesus, you're you're being mean. That sounds that sounds judgmental. That sounds terrible. If we were to say that about somebody today, you know what? This person who's grooming these children, it would just be better if we just wrapped a big boulder around their neck and tossed them into the depths of the sea. You're being mean. Well, This is what Jesus said because he takes this so seriously. This is a matter of life and death, not just this life, but for eternity. And um, Romans 14, 13 says, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. So we don't want to be a stumbling block. We want to make sure our lives are speaking so loudly, pointing to the glory of God, that when we do fall and sin and mess up, and we do, that we quickly repent, we're honest about it, and um, we continue pointing others to Jesus by our lifestyle, and um, verse 11 says, and you can imagine the response, great fear sees the whole church and all who heard about this event, the, these events, okay, so when when people recognize that there is judgment for sin, and we're seeing this in our country today, we're seeing the judgment of God in our country, it is an opportunity to point them toward the power of God, but also the grace of God. When we recognize that we are accountable to God, um, so so First Peter one seventeen says, "Since you call on a Father who judges each work each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear." So we know God is going to judge. We know that everyone is accountable for their actions, good and bad choices that you make. So how do we live? We live in a reverent fear of God. And that fear of God is is a res- healthy respect. It's an awe of God, but it's also a recognition that God is powerful and God is holy. And you know, most of us when it comes to this specific view, and let me just kind of land here because I said we were talking about the grip of releasing the grip of greed. When it comes to our finances, most of us, we say, this is mine. I'm holding on to this, and I'm going to give, you know, I may, I love the, the country songs that all say, you know, drop a dollar in the plate or whatever, you know, tipping tipping God. God says, hey, I'm giving you this money. You say, well, I earned this money for myself. Yeah, but who gave you the ability, who gave you the mind, who gave you your very life, who gave you your job, that job that you prayed for. God has given it to you. So we don't think of it as, oh, this portion of the money at my disposal is mine and this portion is God's. It's all God's. God's going to direct how we use all of it when we give it all to him. And he's going to say, hey, you're going to use this part for your for your food, you're going to use this part for your kids' school. You're going to use this part for your your housing and 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 even even fun. You know all those things. That's all good. But he's going to direct it, and he's going to say, uh, "Use what I've given you to lead others to know Jesus. Use what I've given you to invest in the kingdom of God." And um, you know he gives us these directions, and when we follow them. I'm telling you, it doesn't lead to death. It leads to life. It leads to fulfillment. It leads to freedom. It leads to flourishing and all the good things that God wants to bring into our lives when we live open-handedly. And we say, God, this is yours. Use it as you will. And God is always faithful. He's always faithful to bless, to provide, and uh, we can trust in him. I hope more than anything, I know this has been super heavy today. If you've hung in there with me through the whole thing. I'm just telling you, we can trust God. He is a provider. He's generous to us. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave, he is generous to us. He gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him would have eternal life. And Jesus says that life is a joyful, full, abundant life. And that's the kind he wants to give you today. All right, so let me pray with you. Thanks so much for joining me. Heavenly Father, God, I pray today that you would help us to release the grip of greed, to hold nothing back from you, not just when it comes to money, but when it comes to uh, all that we do, God, our time, our talents, all of it, we surrender it to you today, and we ask, God, that you would use us to further your message in our world, to, to share your good news, to help others experience the life that you've given to us, God, as we fully surrender and we fully trust in you. and We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining me. I look forward to seeing you really soon and have a blessed day. Thank you for joining us for this week's Connect podcast. If you liked what you heard, then be sure to like, share, comment, subscribe, rate. We want to spread this good word to everybody we can who needs to hear this message. I hope you have a great week, and I look forward to you joining us next week for the Connect podcast.